So, George. Yes, Johnny? You know how we have a lot of fun talking about the movies we grew up with? Indeed. Do you ever think we could maybe, I don't know, cover some more current stuff? It's a dangerous idea, but sure, why not? Well, I'm just thinking maybe we could do, you know, we could do a shorter episode, but, you know, other stuff that we're into. Uh, keep it more recent, like recent releases, books we're reading, TV, maybe, you know, games, other pop culture. What do you think? I smell a spin-off. Um, what could we call it, though? You're good for names. Uh, what about recent ramble? I like it. Let's go with that. It could open up a whole shared universe. Um, well, you know, let's, let's just keep it simple. Not, let's not go too far. Royal Ramble. Films about monarchy. King Kong, King Ralph, Prince of Thieves. Maybe a tad niche, perhaps. <laughs> ooh, ooh, what, what about Randy Ramble? Looking back at the erotic thrillers of the 90s. Color of the Night, Sliver, Jade. Okay, I think this is going too far. Roger Ramble, reviewing the lesser-known films of Roger Moore in the style of Roger Moore. I'm happiest in the saddle. <laughs> A fellow sportsman. Great Scott! Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? I am an FBI agent. Hello. I'm Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee. And welcome to Recent Ramble, the spin-off show nobody asked for. Well, we're talking about all things recent. What we're watching, streaming, reading, playing, or looking forward to. So George, what are we discussing today? Today, Charlie, we are discussing recent release Ready Player One. In 2045, reality is a bummer. But we could go somewhere without going anywhere at all. The Oasis. But the Oasis isn't trouble. It's a war for control of the future. This is actual life and death stuff. Go, go, go! Are you willing to fight? Ready Player One in cinemas March 29th. Experience it in 3D. Book tickets now. Based on the book by Ernest Klein and directed by none other than Signor Spielberger. Very exciting. The man is back. He's back in sci-fi. I don't know where he's been. Apparently he's made some other films. I, did you see Bridge of Spies? Bro Apparently it was good. I just wasn't, I wasn't in the mood. He's made a lot of films with Tom Hanks recently, it feels like. Um, Go-to picture. Maybe they've made more films than we realise. Yeah. Um, no, I haven't really seen much of his, um, his recent output. I watched the new BFG. I had high hopes and I was quite disappointed. In honesty, it felt like a bit like Tim Burton and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, perfect material matched with perfect director. and Missed opportunity. Missed opportunity, yeah. yeah. It was ticking all the boxes. It had great casts, great effects, but I just felt a bit meh. But this has been very much billed as Spielberg's back. Spielberg's back, baby. Yeah. And well, I think that's it. He's, he's the king of the blockbuster. If you look at, you know, his... His output, late 70s, throughout 80s, early 90s, unstoppable. He is the... the Very important to us, films of our youth. <laughs> yeah, films of our youth. Well, but, sorry, yeah. scratch that. This is recent ramble. We, yeah, we, we can't talk about that. But I think of, of late, he is... He's obviously doing more doing more mature stuff and pick and choose the, the projects he wants. But, done, yeah, uh, Bridge of Spies, Munich. I'm, I'm struggling to... Like, he hasn't done 
a blockbuster in a while. He's done a lot of serious fare, and I suppose, was it The Post? I think that was a fairly... Mm. Is that Spielberg? Yeah. I don't know. It's uh, got Tom again, Hanks in. Tom Hanks. <laughs> Chances are. Okay, so where are we? So, George, um, where, ready, are? where are we right now? No. So, George, uh, Ready Player One. We we have mentioned it on the regular podcast in the past, but it's a book. It's a book. We, <laughs> we read, like books. We read books occasionally. A science fiction book released a few years ago by uh, the author Ernest Klein, and he is actually co-screenwriting uh, credit. On, on this film. Uh, it's also uh, co-written by Zach Penn, who has done a fair few superhero films. So X-Men, uh, Incredible Hulk, he has story credit on the Avengers film. So good sort of uh, team uh, in terms of, you know, original author, Spielberg uh, and Zach Penn. But the story itself is, I suppose it's, it's a bit matrixy. So it's a bit about a virtual world that was set in the future sort of mid 21st century, would you say? Yeah, so kind of like MySpace. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everyone's getting really excited about that. So it's a virtual world, but unlike The Matrix, which everyone was plugged into unwittingly, apart from Neo and uh, a few uh, leather-clad rebels, it is something that everyone escapes to. So it's a an online platform where anyone can be anything and... Just sounds like MySpace to me. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, I don't know, is it worth sort of going into much more detail about it? No, I think, uh, I mean, it's probably worth pointing out, I think one of the reasons that Spielberg might have been chosen is because the content, it's so much nostalgic. It's looking back at not, okay, yes, it is a lot about video game influences, but it's about 1980s nostalgia. It's about everything, because yeah, so, there's music, there's references, all of those things. So it's a, essentially, it's a, a treasure hunt is the main drive of the story, and... The treasure hunt has been laid by the founder of this virtual reality world, the Oasis, and he grew up in the 80s. So it's all very influenced by by his influences growing up. So in the book, there's key nods towards uh, Spielberg, Star Wars, 80s pop culture in terms of the music like Duran Duran. Paul and Oates, The Breakfast Club, there's so much pop culture in the book. And there's many different ways it can go. There's films, but we thoroughly, I think. But it's ultimately, as as you said to me, uh, and it's sort of kind of, I kind of forgotten. It, it is purely about that classic, well, as the title would suggest, classic ar- arcade, old school gaming. Yeah, it's about um, what that represented, and and the amount of effort that you would have to put into in into old school games in terms of before there were save points and memory God, cards. God, yeah, and, you just lose all your credits, go right back to the start. Yeah, start have to again. play a game all in one go. Yeah, well, I think... I mean, we enjoyed this film. That is correct. It was. It, we're not going to spoil it, because unlike the films we normally discuss, it hasn't been out for 20, 30 years. It's just come out this week, if you're watching it now, or if you're watching it in a few months. It came out months ago. What were you doing? What are you doing with yourself? I think the changes they made, because we both read the book, we enjoyed the book, the changes they've made... I, th- I liked the changes they made, and I think they make sense. Yeah, for, I think there's, as with with any film adaptation, you're always going to have you're always going to have to lose lose something, and no matter how much how good a film is, it's it's always going to be oh well they left that out of the book, and you just can't you can't condense everything from from film you know all that description from a novel into a film, and I think. Yes, they've lost a lot of stuff in this. They've changed things around. But for a film narrative, it works. 
Yeah, and the it doesn't really lose anything. I mean, yeah, they've it works better narratively speaking. Narratively speaking, they may have shaved off some more harsher points of of the story that I think the novel does have some more harsher narrative beats and it's a bit grittier. But so it may have had a bit more of a, a Spielberg shine, but I don't think it, it affects the story in any way. But getting Ernest Klein back to co-write the script is a well, it's a, yeah, it's a blessing, and I think it, it's more of a current trend. So, uh, Gone Girl, uh, David Fincher film, the screenplay was done by the author, um, uh, Gillian or Gillian Flynn, I think it is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, uh, and obviously there was the Fifty Shades film that was overseen by the author who enforced that every single word of her dialogue could not be changed and that's why the Fifty Shades films are so terrible. Um, <laughs> apparently I haven't seen them, I haven't read the books. Oh, I'm going to call you on that, George. Um, I've watched them for research. So yeah, it, it, is, it seems to be a more of a, a, a recent trend when it's such a beloved project. And recent you know. enough that the author's still around and, and, and a bit more, should, how do I put it, a bit more aware of what goes on in Hollywood that mm. you know that a cynic might even say that probably while he was writing it he might have been thinking hey you know one day this might get turned into a film but or I is that me being too cynical possibly but I think that's it How dare you? the thing is the <laughs> Ernest Klein is is a massive fanboy, and, and that's you know the, the the original source material shows that how much of a geek he is mm-hmm. and in terms of that is the novel itself is pure sort of geek nirvana wish fulfillment what if you could jump back into could act out at your favorite 80s film or you could jump back and virtually play through your your favorite video game you could create your avatar you could pimp out and you know an x-wing that could be your your vehicle of choice and things like that it is i say pure sort of geek fulfillment and for him he's He's got that. That's happened to him in reality. He's, he's had none other than Steven Spielberg make his novel into a film. And he's got to, you know, he hasn't you know, signed the rights away and seen it bastardised. It's, it's quite a faithful adaptation, despite the changes. And I think, so I mean, the cast is good. We've seen, uh, I mean, I first saw Ty Sheridan in Mud. I thought he was great. Uh, I know the uh, some of the other cast have popped up. They're all quite new. Obviously, Ben Mendelsohn is rent, a lo- rent, rent a bad guy, but he's so good as a bad so guy. So good. I liked his hench person. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, that's T J Miller. Um, she could have been in it more. Oh, sorry. No, I was talking about uh, the the assassin bloke, Irock. Oh, Irock. No, he was brilliant. Yeah, that's that's T J Miller, who's a comedian. He's in Silicon Valley. Apparently he was in Cloverfield, but um, I can't remember. He's also the sarcastic, sardonic guy in Deadpool, the bar bartender guy in Deadpool. Ah, right, okay. But he yes. works. He's he's a good comic relief in this. So yeah, the cast was solid. Soundtrack? Anybody we know, George? Uh, well, it it sounded familiar. There was, was it a... this. No, that's Predator. Okay. Oh, what about this? That's Back to the Future, but that is touched on several times. (laughs) Uh, No, we loved it, and we kind of both looked at each other when we heard the music Our friend Alan Silvestri is back on, and it's great. I mean, I was 
it was a nice surprise because obviously Spielberg's usual go-to person is the other legend in the soundtrack world, uh, composing world, is John Williams. Yeah. So yeah, it was great to have, and I think yeah, it adds into that whole nostalgic '80s charm. The so definitely to- some beats from Back to the Future from and from Indiana Jones that were being dropped. There was a little twinkle, twinkle. I don't think uh, Alan's aware of that. I think that's just just what he does. It's just everything that he produces sounds somewhere <laughs> in between Predator and Back to the Future. He's just got, as you say, he's just got two demo tapes. <laughs> um, Maybe if I, he's just got he's just got ten samples. <laughs> that's all he's got. What he makes his music from. Yeah, I say to display the virtual world, they've done a lot of uh, motion capture mm-hmm. and the effects are stunning. I'm sure you'll agree. And, yeah. And if anything, the you become so immersed in this virtual world. And I think it's a very it's a stylistic choice from Spielberg that the the real world scene scenes feel a, a little bit flat. Yeah, they do. I mean, obviously, it's meant to look the motivation to go into the Oasis is that the real world is so dour and obviously we're overpopulated. And what was it? There's the wars that have happened. I can't remember. Anyway, it's not important right well, now. The broadband wars was there yeah, but yeah, there was the bandwidth wars. Yeah. And there wasn't the maple syrup wars or something. No, but it was the fact that, yeah, I think it was kind of deliberately done. That Look, at this is all the shiny, sparkly, virtual oasis. Mm. And then everything else was a bit gritty. And I think we both agreed that we felt some of the effects had been taken on from Minority Report. You have that same yeah, he's almost, fuzzy filter that he's used on the camera. Yeah, it's, it's like a hazy filter for the, for the real world scenes. And you can tell a lot of the, in terms of the way it's filmed, for the real world scenes there's a lot more close-ups and a, mo- a lot more emotive things but saying that I, I think you become quite invested in those scenes in the oasis is actually you actually enjoy them more than i think they work better than the real world scenes yeah i think we both are on, agree on mm. the same page when it comes to that but it's a great film enjoy it it's gonna do well not only because it's a good film but warner brothers have marketed the shit out of that puppy it is everywhere and yeah i'm i'm surprised i said uh, when when my wife asked she said oh what are you going to see i was like ready player one she just looked at me blankly but uh she's she's not the target audience my nine to five job is in advertising and yes it is everywhere it's uh, it's everywhere in outdoor it's everywhere online that is an interesting point you raise about target audience because we are mm. the target audience. We, if you've checked out our regular podcast, uh, we're kids of the '80s. You know, we grew up consuming all of this nostalgia that's referred to in this film. And I just wonder—it's a—it's a solid film. I think because of the Spielberg effect and because of all the flashing bright lights yeah. and the good plot, I think it is going to do well. I think with the heavily invested marketing, it's going to do well. It's just interesting that with us being the target and not actually the target if you know what I mean we're the target of the source material but this film has been marketed in such a way that it's take four, your kids to four, see it. four quadrants I think they refer to it god in, you're so in the know you know yeah, the so yeah so it's you know it's kids it's families it's single guys depressed it's, single it's, geeks, geeks <laughs> like we were as a couple so yeah it it, it, uh, it covers all bases but yeah I think I don't know I'll be interested to see yeah, they've marketed the hell out of it it's a Spielberg film, it's a good film, but whether people will buy into that, whether the whole gaming aspect, whether the the geeky reference, whether it is a solid enough story that it will it will win over everybody, not just the hardcore fanboys like us. I think there is enough in there for everyone to enjoy. Mm-hmm. As I said to you when, when we walked out of the cinema, if anything, that 
there's so many references to games, films, like so many characters popping up you'll literally see for a second. I wanted to to spend more time with those or see more of those characters, but I think that's part of the the film's joy that it's the film is all based around Easter eggs and seeing these characters, uh, glimpses of all these different iconic or you know famous 80s and 90s characters, spotting them on repeat viewings is going to be an Easter egg in itself. Yeah, many, many different Easter eggs. So that's Ready Player One in cinemas now. Check it out. So George, you watched anything good on the old streaming box recently? TV, I recently finished the show on Amazon, American Gods, which is, again, based on a, on a book. I've read some of the book, um, and then I saw it was on TV, and I thought, I might be able to understand this better if I watch it. So yeah, it's, it's a book by uh, Neil Gaiman. It's a very weird book. I enjoyed it, but I also didn't completely understand it. The TV show makes a lot more sense. It's very, the TV show, again, I don't want to go into spoilers because it's it's recent, but it's quite American Gothic-y. There was a TV show, I think, from the nights that we both watched called American Gothic uh, or Southern Gothic uh, sort of type style, a bit Twin Peaksy. So it's it's all about the, the old gods, so old mythic gods from Egypt, from Norse mythology, Christianity, all these- Greeks. Uh, uh, no, uh, no Greeks actually, um, or yet anyway, uh, African gods all sort of living in in modern America, but under in disguise, and so it's it's a very weird, twisted show. It's very sexy. It's very sweaty. A lot of TNA. A lot of lot of weird TNA. It's uh, as um, one Un of unnecessary TNA like Game of Thrones. Yeah, as uh, as one of my work colleagues said. Yeah, it's really good. Just don't watch it on a crowded train like I did. <laughs> <laughs> and and he was right. There's uh, yeah. If if anyone's seen it, they'll they'll know those scenes that I'm talking about. I really enjoyed it. It's got uh, Ian McShane uh, as uh, we do love him. He, love Joy as Love Joy himself, who is always reliable. But the other the main lead in it is I can't remember the, the actor's name but he was actually in Hollyoaks as he was terrible in Hollyoaks years ago as Ricky Whittle I think that was his name but he's actually really good in this real uh, gigs real gigs so yeah it's it's weird it's twisted it's got some some great actors pop up in it uh, Gillian Anderson's in it I like her Crispin Glover George, George McFly, McFly who's really weird um <laughs> <laughs> I think he even does that laugh. Copyright. <laughs> yeah, it's not for everybody, but um, I thought it made more sense of the, the complicated stories in, in the book. And I'm looking forward to series two. Excellent. Which is currently in the works. So, Charlie, what, what about you? What are you watching at the moment? Well, for me, in terms of films, I've watched two bonkers films recently and they are Annihilation uh, which is coming to a Netflix near you and <laughs> well, well is, is that the one good sci-fi film that has gone straight to Netflix yes. out of all the six that they've released in the past week <laughs> uh, well I haven't seen it I've only the only one the other one I've seen which I think you and I both agree was bonkers in a bad way Bobbins Bobbins was the Cloverfield marketing failure sorry the Cloverfield paradox 
go on our blog to read my review of yeah. Cloverfield Paradox. Yeah, and the less said about that, the better the potential that was lost. No, Annihilation is refreshing. So that's one by Alex Garland. The guy did, well, he was the writer of Dread and he also did Ex Machina. I don't know. You're, you're, the, uh, you're the guy yeah. with the, the film. I'm knob. asking questions and answering them simultaneously. <laughs> I like the way you do that. Do I like the way you do that? I like the way you do that. You're bit. the presenter, guy. Yeah, you know. I'm the host with the most. Yeah, so it's refreshing. Uh, it's great to see. It's kind of like, without spoiling anything, it's a crazy play on many different sort of tropes you've seen before. But let's just say it's like four chicks going to the jungle like Predator. Go on. <laughs> I mean, and I'm... shit gets weird. No, it's uh, some very good performances. I just like the fact that it's, it's quite current and the fact that it plays with the tradition of it's always got to be a crack team of Michael Bean and friends being sent into a... Does anyone have a chain gun? No, there's no big... Well, apart from Natalie Portman, she's the soldier scientist, but... Soldier scientist? Yeah. No, um, it's... Great. It the thing to say, that I want to say about this film is it reminds me of films of a like sort of sunshine or hero. It's just visually mental. I mean, the story's great. The plot's good. Keeps you thinking, and it's you know got a great ending, um, which you will remember. You don't necessarily see it coming, but it's just such a beautiful film. The effects in it are amazing, and yeah, Garland knows what he's doing. He's taking the genre to new places. It's something you can't, you think you've seen before, mm. you've seen elements of it before, but it's it seems simple what he's done, but it's actually very well delivered. I know I can't wait to see it. I uh, Ex Machina was one of my favourite science fiction films I'd seen over the past five ten years. He's a brilliant writer. Obviously, he's um, he wrote the novel The Beach. Yeah. And yeah, he wrote, and some say he ghost directed a lot of the Dread film and shows he's a, he's a very talented director. He's a very smart guy, very good storyteller. I haven't actually got around to watching it because as you're saying, it's such a, a visual film. I have... Um, you don't want to be watching it on the train. No, I don't. No, I, I, that's what I say for watching sexy, sexy American gods. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm waiting to watch that at the right time on a good size screen. And the other bonkers film that I watched was Snowpiercer with one of our favourite Chris's. Pine Pratt or... No, keep going. Oh, Chris Evans. Yes, yes. Not um, that Chris Hammond. Snowpiercer, just to jump in, give a bit of background. This is a science fiction film. I think it was released in 2015, but it, it uh, to this date has not been released in the UK. Uh, it's done by Korean director. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but it's supposed to be... Make one up. Uh, Boo Jong Sing. Um, that sounds pretty close, actually. I think it's June something. Anyway, it sounds yeah. racist if we keep going on. It's from a Korean director. Highly acclaimed. Highly acclaimed Korean director. Insert Dose. name yeah. here. It's got Tilda Swinton, Chris Evans. Evans. John Hurt? Yes. And many others. Jamie Bell. I was going to say... J Jimmy Bell from Middlesbrough. <laughs> yeah, who I just can't get enough of. I was a child, I it? No, it's it's great and brutal. Dour. What's it about, Charlie? So it's about uh, well, it's it's a really fun family film. Basically, everyone on Earth is dead, apart from standard. Post, you could say post-apocalyptic. I'd say I see a I see a lighter side to it. So they're all on this train. The train is going round the Earth, perpetual motion machine, and it's humanity's only chance to survive and the train has everything on it um from the best things in society to the worst and so tk max tesco metro all the like uh all the equivalent you could fit on a train nando's 
No, there is no Nando's. You did say it was post-apocalyptic. Yeah, it so, is. I think yeah. that's probably where the world ended. Mm. Well, but KFC no, did run out of chicken the other week, so it's, it's sign of the times. I think we're two minutes to midnight. Mm. Um, no, but it's it's very good. For, there's, the sci-fi is good. It's provocative. It's um, there's some great scenes in it, and it's claustrophobic. You get the feeling that you're on this train, and you can understand the. Um, did you watch it on a train? I'm starting to think I should have done, or maybe I, I can't be sure. That's how that's how involving it is. But Chris Evans, Pine Hemsworth is one of them. <laughs> one of them that's in a Marvel film. No, um, Chris Evans is great in it, and it kind of. Uh, I think he was doing this obviously in between one of his twelve contractual Marvel films. Appearance. But he does he does a slightly different character. But no, I just I just I enjoyed it. Ed Harris is in it as well. Awesome. Um, you you had me at Ed Harris. <laughs> but uh, no, Til- Tilda Swinton's uh, yeah. But, as I can't just the, the word is just it's brutal so it's a long film um, I like to tell people that because I know some people don't like long films but it's Boy. worth it's it's like cuddle up on a sofa and prepare for a thoroughly brutal ride on the Snowpiercer apparently despite it's sort of it's poor performance and it's weird released it in certain territories but not the UK it's uh, being turned into a TV show yeah I could see that yeah yeah like well be. just just keep filming in the same carriage. So, George, are you reading anything good at the moment? What do you got for me in terms of books? I am currently reading, well, you and I share a Kindle library, so I'm currently reading Nomad by one Alan Partridge. It's good. Which is good. It's, yeah, it's obviously, it's it's not as good. I would say it's for diehard Partridge fans only. It's great Partridge. That's what you love. That's what mm. keeps you turning the pages. I just don't like the plot. I just find the plot a bit... Yeah, it's a bit meh. It's like he's walking the footsteps of his dad. I just think there was a better story that I mean, it's it's a weak excuse. It just doesn't seem very linked to the character, you know. But that's it's, not that didn't stop me from reading the book and laughing and giggling, laughing out loud, much to the displeasure of my fellow commuters. It is a great book, and it is what you want from Coogan hmm. Iannucci from that from that partnership as well. Hmm. Or was it just Coogan? No, no. The the I current writers at the moment, yeah, it's Coogan Iannucci, and I think it's the Gibbons brothers. They've hmm. been working on. Like Since Alpha Papa sort of thing. Yeah. So it's got that sort of tone to it. And if you like that, yeah, it's great. And if you've consumed the other, because he's done audiobooks, and he's been he's given the fans of Partridge lots of stuff. So mm. check it out. Check it out. Yeah, it's, it, I say it's for, probably for completists only, Partridge fans only, but raises a smile and I'm, I'm plowing through it. Me, I'm on my 17th Bosch book in 18 months um so i've been reading a lot of michael connelly's bosch series but enough about that the series four is about to start on amazon prime series four now yeah and to say that i am slightly excited would be slightly i don't know what to say i'm so excited no um slightly overexcited slightly too excited to use proper words no so looking forward to that also what i've been investing some of my time in which i've something i've gone back to it's a video game. Gaming. We, we were talk- Let's talk about gaming. Well, we were talking about Ready Player One, a fully immersive virtual reality mm. experience, and an immersive world, uh, a game that came out in 2014, which I had on the PlayStation 3, but then I bought it again on the PlayStation 4. Game so good, you bought it twice. And last year, it was the number two selling game across all consoles. I'm talking about Grand Theft Auto V. This is a game which... 
everybody kind of has an idea of what it's about if you don't play it. It's based in American cities. In uh, the city of Grand Theft. Of Grand Theft. This one is Los Santos or a, or a, a, re, a reimagining of, of San Andreas, of, of Los Angeles. But what I want to talk about is just the recent DLC, because everyone knows it's on our blog. The original game came out, it had a great storyline, but it's the online experience, GTA Online. It's the DLC they keep adding to it. So just to give you an idea, there was the gun running update where you can run your own gun running business. They've since released um, the Doomsday Scenario, which is an entire new story for online players, which involves you using your bunker and um, drones and AI taking over the world. It is a full, wow. full on there is a doomsday scenario um, that you have to get involved with. But what's striking is the other pop culture that they've inserted into the DLC. So you can now get the Batmobile. Awesome. Which one are we talking about? Um, I think it's the Tim Burton one. Tim Burton. It's kind of, well, no, it's a, no, but that's the thing. It's like a weird mix-up of the Tim Burton one and the Tumblr. Okay. From the recent uh, Christopher Nolan films. So you can get that. You can get the Back to the Future car, mm -hmm. which flies and has missiles. As oh. you'd imagine. Okay. You can get Tron bikes. Nice. There's actually a Tron game where you like you're playing as the Tron motorbikes cutting each other off. Wow. Which is uh, loads of fun. Uh, what else is it? What else have they added? James, the James Bond Lotus that can go underwater. The Esprit. Yeah, the Esprit. And then there's obviously loads of other like crazy uh, helicopters. They've got. I've got. They've brought back the Hydrojet from the GTA Three, so you can actually hover. Oh, uh, okay. because they had normal jets. So what I mean is this this game's been out forever. You know, it's been, well, I mean, in gaming terms, four years. Mm. And I've gone back to it. I've, yes, I admit I've spent another 40 quid on it to get credits to buy the stuff that you need to enjoy the DLC. But... But you were saying, weren't you saying to me that the DLC itself is free? So unlike... All of the DLC is free. You can either grind away and earn the cash and play loads of missions and take part in it, or... What they're hoping is that you get, you, you start seeing how good the levels are, you want a bit of it yourself, and to speed that up, you can pay £7 mm. or £13. Or what I did, I got the Criminal Enterprise Starter Pack, which gave me, which saves you like over 10 million in game credits. That was 25 quid. And then I got 15 quid worth of credit cards. Now you could say, oh, well, you're just, you know, that's a pay to play, cynical aspects. Mm. Like, I bought this game four years ago and it's still going strong. So to invest another 40 quid, Unlike and I'm playing what? it. I'm playing it every week now. So unlike the recent Star Wars game, but was it Battlefront Two that got into hot water because they released pretty much half a game and then expected you to buy add-ons and credits all of and the, characters? All, they they came out with this thing so um, you could play the game. Loot boxes was it? Yeah, it was all loot, loot crates. So basically. Um, if you wanted anything, like you could just the more money you spent, you get a loot crate, and you didn't know what was in it. So it'd either be so it'd be improved advanced torpedo missiles or uh, reinforced hull or um, speed, you know that mm. sort of thing. But each time you'd have to pay to get these credits, so it, it was effectively gambling. Yeah, because it wasn't guaranteed what you were getting. Yeah, and it wasn't enforced by the uh, the, gam the gambling games. But that's what's really cynical is mm. that the problem that the uproar was caused by, by uh, Battlefront 2, was not because the game had gambling. It's because the game had gambling in it and it didn't have a gambling license. 
So mm. if they got a license, they would have got away with it. Do you know what I mean? So um, that's that's what's very simple. Mm. But no, just wanted to say the reason I think is relevant to our recent ramble chat that if anybody is going to come up with an Oasis like virtual reality thing where you can be whatever you want, because I mean you can be anything in GTA now. Mm. It's going to be Rockstar. You know, it's going to be these guys because it's you can have apartments as i say at the moment you know i have so many different businesses going i've got to work out which is my real life business and which are my businesses in gta no but it's it's good fun loads of different you know all the multiplayer modes you can actually play just like call of duty type games you can do racing games or Mm -hmm. you can do the missions you can do the heists or you can do this new crazy uh doomsday scenario it's the game that just keeps on giving and they've kept everybody in thrall for four years and they're coming out with um red dead revolver red Red dead Dead two red Red dead redemption two two uh, is coming out so very much looking forward to that can't put a foot wrong rockstar yeah anything else you want to bring up uh no no i think uh i think that's it i think we've rambled on about recent events uh, enough. Yeah, so this was just something that we thought we'd try. We weren't sure if it'd be very good. We might not do it again. <laughs> no, no, I enjoyed it. I think uh, it's important that we... Um, we can't spend all our lives in the past. Yeah. yeah. I mean, these things are still of interest to us, so we're going to discuss them. We're going to record them. We're going to put them on cassette, and, and then it, we're going to keep posting them out to you via mail. And if you listen to them, then great. Yeah. If not, we've just, you know, we're making a lot of cassettes, and we'd appreciate if you sent them back. We'll move on to minidisc when the time is right. It's such an unappreciated format. So, well, I think, yeah, that's it. So uh, I've been George McGee. I've been Charlie McGee. Thank you for listening. We are on all the social media channels. Uh, Delete Facebook. But before you do, please like our podcast. But no, more importantly, we are on Spotify. We're on Libsyn, iTunes, Google Play, and we're on YouTube. And we can obviously all be accessed through our website, retroramble.blog. Thanks a lot. See you later. Okay. George, what are you wearing? (laughs) My conversation hat. (laughs) 